great exchange is this, our life for his. <laughs> what a deal, huh? Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. Do you know who Jesus is, or do you just know who you want him to be? Does your relationship with him require change from you or from him? Are you following him? Or do you require that Christ walk your way? Have you come yet to the point of realizing that this life you live is to be all about him and not about you? And have you, by faith, exchanged your life for Christ's? Today we have former His Hill director Bill Bushhouse back with us, and he'll be sharing some thoughts from the Gospel of Mark. In this passage, we find that Jesus has a question for his disciples that is just as important for us to consider today. So if you're in a position to look at your Bible, turn with us to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, and follow along. Here's Bill. Hello, everyone. Good to be with you over the internet again. And I want to share very briefly that uh, I've been doing a different method of Bible reading. I, uh, for some physical reasons and male laziness reasons, I've been reading on my iPad. And I have a split screen, if you can picture it. And on the left is the text of the passage. And on the right, I have a document that is just a regular little Bible reading journal where I jot down some notes. So what I'd like to do today is just share with you um, some of those simple observations that the Lord gave me. Uh, this was, I've got the date here. Yeah, it was January 23rd. Uh, some observations on a passage in Scripture. If you want to open your Bible or you have your device with you and you can open, you can open up to Mark, the uh, eighth chapter, the Gospel of Mark, chapter eight. And I'm going to begin sort of where the passage begins in verse uh, 27. And I'm going to read, and I'm going to read it through and stop and make some observations. Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? They told him, saying, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others one of the prophets. He continued by questioning them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. And he warned them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. I want to stop there and make a few observations. Um, if you'd like a little title for this, if you're taking notes, uh, uh, you write, it, write this down, The Great Exchange, The Great Exchange. And we're going to see the question further on in the passage from which I derived that little title. So we have here in verses 29 through 31, uh, we have the two questions around which the gospel revolves. 
the, the two questions or the two statements would be better put. The first is, who is Jesus Christ? And the second, what did he come to do? What did he come to do? Not new thoughts, but eternal thoughts. And they ask Peter, he says, you are the Christ. In other versions of the Gospels, the writer records fuller answers and says, you are, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the person. You are the Messiah. You are the chosen one. You are the one whom God promised in the law and the prophets and the Psalms who would come, who would deliver us. You are the Christ. And if we wanted to add the declarations of John, Luke, he'd say the son of the living God. Son of God in Christian parlance is simply God incarnate. God incarnate. Uh, I have an opportunity uh, online to speak with people from all over the world and have had many good discussions with some very, very intelligent and well-spoken Muslim friends. And they said, well, we believe in Jesus too. And I had to say, well, I think that's a different Jesus because we believe that Jesus is God incarnate. And of course, they don't go there. So that's why this is important. This is the first essential, if you please, of the gospel. Could put it in question form. Who is Jesus Christ? I like asking that. I like asking that to people. Who is Jesus Christ? He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God, God incarnate. But the second statement, I think, is also essential to the gospel. Not only who is Jesus Christ, but what did he come to do? What did he come to do? That's in verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and after three days, rise again. And it's interesting, if you go through the Gospel of Mark, he tells them that three different times on his way up to Jerusalem. He says he's going up to Jerusalem, the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. That's where we're going to start. That's where we always start, with the person of Christ and the work of Christ. Well, let's continue reading on. And he, that is the Lord Jesus, he was stating the matter plainly. And Peter took him aside. Picture this in your mind, if you would. Peter pulling Jesus aside, and he's going to correct him, straighten him out on the matter. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That's a funny picture, isn't it? He began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he said, he rebuked Peter, and he says, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. But man's. What is man's interest in this context? Here's what I think it is. I think... Man's interest in this context is this, that we can have a salvation, a relationship with God without the suffering, without the rejection, without the dying, and without the rising, right? In other words, 
No, that can't be God's way. Can it really be God's way that you will go to the cross, you will go up to Jerusalem and be rejected and suffer? Yes, that is God's way. Peter thought surely he knew better. And we may chuckle a little bit at Peter here for rebuking God incarnate, but do we think the same? Or how often do we think the same? That I can have a relationship with Christ without dying to self, without the suffering, without the denying, right? That's man's interest. Man's interest is an easy path gospel. Jesus said that that was not his way, that he must go up, he must suffer, he must die, and he must rise again on the third day. Now, this is a continued passage. This is the same thought. This is the same episode. So remember what we've said. We've looked at the two central issues. Who is Christ? What has he done? He's the God incarnate, and he's going to the cross to suffer. So now, in verse 34, there's a change of gears. And now, he says to those, he summons the crowd, right, with his disciples. And he says this, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Let me stop right there for a minute. I jotted down my little notes here. I wrote three commands of faith, because they're always of faith, right? They're always Christ working through you through faith, and that the command itself produces the faith itself by the power of his spirit. But here are the three commands of faith that I see in here. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him, he must deny himself. That's first. I I like to live that out in simple everyday life is simply this, saying no to self. Saying no to self, right? If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. There are some days I get an opportunity to do that. No, there's every day I get, every minute, every hour I get opportunities to do that, right? The flesh is tired, the flesh is weak, the flesh is selfish, self-indulgent, but we must deny ourselves. And here's the second. The second is this. You must take up your cross, right? Deny, say no to self. Taking up the cross, I believe, is saying yes to God, very simply. Deny yourself, take up the cross. The cross was a command, right? The Father told him, sent him to offer himself. So Jesus Christ himself, our Lord, denied himself, and took up the cross. He said no to self and yes to his father. And then the third one is this, follow me. Follow me is the everyday, right? Do like the example I've just done. Be obedient unto death, even to the point of death on the cross. We're pretty wimpy Christians, aren't we? We love self. So why do we do this, though? Why do we do this? Because there's a great exchange that must take place. There's a great question that's going to be asked. Now listen, here's verse 35. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. That word life there in the Greek, if I 
click on it on my iPad, it pulls up a nice little dictionary, and it says suke, uh, from where we get the word psychology, psyche, right? And it's the same word. You were going to see it four times here, and sometimes the identical word is translated soul. The same word, suke, is translated soul, and it's translated life. So whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. The why of what we do, it's very interesting, for my sake and the Gospel. (laughs) And what is the Gospel? The Gospel is Christ. His death, burial, resurrection, and life in us. The gift of the Holy Spirit. The Gospel. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. About, um, I guess it was about two years ago, maybe a little longer, about two years ago, um, I started praying, and I, I prayed this because it was a true prayer, and I said, Father, I have not shared the Gospel at any length with anybody for a long, long time. It's been too long. Yes, I have a little booklet of my testimony and some other issues that I give to people, give to you know waiters, waitresses, but I mean sit down and share the gospel with them. And the Lord opened a wonderful door to do that, and it's, it was online, but um, just in answer to that prayer, he opened the door for the opportunity for the gospel uh, to... I don't. I don't know how many countries. I don't want to guess. It certainly has to be close to 100 uh, people in various forums, helping them learn English various ways. But the the thing is, is this: if I would have ignored that, or if anyone ignores that, you know, you have those little tuggings of the Holy Spirit, those little opportunities into which He leads, and if we to take opportunity. Right to take those opportunities, we have to deny ourselves. Right, we may be busy, we may prefer something, we we may be lying down for a nap, and someone calls us and says, "Hey, could you do a podcast or so, you know something like that?" We deny ourselves. We say no to self and yes to God. Right, and He says here, "Whoever does that will save it." Now, here are the questions. Here's the great exchange. Here's the great exchange. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? There's the great exchange. When you pursue, when your values are temporal, you pursue the things of this present age, right? And that's your life, that's your suke, that's your soul, that's your desire, present tense, fame, opportunity to go up the scale in in business, whatever it might be. He says, what does it profit if you gain it all? What if you get it all? What if you get everything you want, but you forfeit his soul? That's the great exchange. The great exchange is this, our life for his. (laughs) What a deal, huh? (laughs) We lose our life. The old self has been crucified with him. What does it profit? What do you really gain 
if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul. I want to put before you a, a picture that's that's a somewhat of a terrifying picture, and it's a I, I know it's um, spoken down of at times as not being you know vogue in fashion, but I want you to picture yourself at the judgment seat of Christ with eternal bliss, eternity with Him uh, on the one hand, and the lake of fire on the other, and you have you you discover that you have sold your soul for the temporary pleasures of this life right you you have not lost your life you have gained you have done all that you want and you've gained it but what does it profit you if you have to forfeit your soul what does it profit and here's the question there's there's a lot of good songs around this verse for what will a man give in exchange for his soul? This is the cost of the matter. The cost of the matter is your very soul, our very souls. And to find our life, that's, that word soul, by the way, is the same word as life up there in verse 35, right? For what will you give in exchange for your soul? Now, on the other hand, you're in that same picture. You're at the judgment seat of Christ and, and, the, and the two eternities before you. And now the question says, what, what would you give for exchange for your soul? Well, I hope you'd give everything. I hope whatever the Lord Jesus Christ says you ought to lose and say no to, you lose. Not talking asceticism here, just merely giving up for the sake of giving up. That's not what he's saying. He's saying whatever God directs us to do, we do. And not only that, we delight in it. It's good. And to find his life, right? His life. In exchange for my life, it's really no comparison. But that's a great question, isn't it? For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul. Your soul is costly, and it was bought by blood, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't forfeit it for the love of this present evil age. And I think now in our last verse, I think I, I think in a sense, I, I jotted down in my little journal, I said, our, our response to his words define this exchange, Right? Our response to his words define this exchange. In other words, do we are we holding on to our life or are we losing our life to find his? Look what it says. Here's how we can check our souls. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, and it is that, isn't it? the Son of Man will also be ashamed of when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Now, we can't answer every question that this passage brings up, but I think it, what Jesus wanted to say is very clear, is that there is an exchange that needs to take place, and that exchange is saying no to self and yes to God and being totally unashamed of his words. I found this to be helpful. Now, I know this is online, and it's a little different than being 
uh, you know, at a, at a group with your friends at a game or at a party or sitting around having a meal. But I found it beneficial to identify myself. You know, people are into self-identity these days. And I, you know, when people are introducing themselves or we're talking about something in these forums online, I'll just say I am unashamedly a, a follower of Jesus Christ. That's how I'll put it. I won't say Christian because that means something totally different to about everyone in the audience, but I am unashamedly a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it really produces some wonderful conversations. So listen, don't be ashamed of his words, right? Don't be ashamed of his words. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. And I trust that in ever-increasing measure, you will find that his life, his life, is of greater value than anything that you have exchanged in order to follow him. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the His Hill podcast today. You've been listening to our host, Kelly Doherty, along with our previous director and current guest speaker, Bill Bushhouse. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ. He is our firm foundation, and with him, we can stand secure. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see y'all next week.